The UK's property market experienced a mini boom during the pandemic, with prices rising 8.5% last year. This was in sharp contrast to Britain's wider economy, which was hammered by the fallout from the COVID-19 crisis as the country endured a series of lockdowns. While a stamp duty holiday helped to propel the market upwards, easier access to mortgage finance and a lockdown-induced desire for more space outside major cities also played their part. But one thing slightly dampening prices in recent months, particularly in London, have been the strict travel restrictions, which prevented wealthy buyers from jetting in to view homes. So with travel curbs now easing, particularly in the UAE, what's in store for the UK's property market now? Welcome to Pocket Full of Dirhams. I'm Alice Hayne, and joining me today is Henry Fawn, partner and head of Knight Frank's Middle East private office, who will outline how much pent-up demand from the region will affect British house prices. Before we start, make sure to subscribe to Pocketful of Dirhams to receive the latest episodes. Welcome back to the show, Henry. Thank you very much, Alice. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Now, when the UK first went into lockdown in March last year, I don't think anyone could have predicted the effect the pandemic would have on the country's property market. As someone working in the industry, has that been an interesting time for you? A particularly interesting time, and I think interesting is is one very precise way to describe it, Alice. Um, We've seen times here that are completely unprecedented, and I think perhaps our industry has evolved a huge amount forward in the past year or two, uh, relying more on technology more so than I've ever seen before now. So what about Rishi Sunak's stamp duty holiday? That was unveiled in July last year, and it certainly spurred on domestic buyers. I mean, I was one of them. But what about overseas buyers? Were they keen to make that saving of up to £15,000 as well? With regard to the stamp duty holiday, it was applicable for both our UK national buyers in the UK and also our Middle Eastern clients here in the Gulf. Um, many were keen to make the most of that opportunity to save up to £15,000 on their stamp duty transactions costs. Um, certainly, we have many clients that wanted to make the most of it, some who did and some who still haven't yet. But it still actually applies that it tapers off until um, we've got until the end of September to still make a little bit of a saving. But what other factors have helped to propel the market during this COVID crisis? So aside from the stamp duty holiday, which you quite rightly highlighted, I would say there's probably two other key factors that have really propelled the market boom in the UK throughout the past 18 months or so. Um, The first one is actually the exchange rates. If, for example, our Middle Eastern clients here are coming into the UK, sterling, whilst it has crept up a little bit in the recent few months and year, um, it's still very attractive on its long-term averages. The second one, actually, Alice, is access to debt, and more specifically, quite cheap debt on a, on a long-term basis. We find now that our Middle Eastern clients, when coming to the UK, can actually perhaps even arrange a mortgage for their summer home in London, or perhaps their apartment uh, for their, their son or daughter to go and study in the UK. And those mortgage rates could be perhaps 1.5% for them, which is a phenomenally good value, I think. There's actually been quite an interesting situation, and we keep using that word interesting because it is a very, you know, kind of radical time for the UK property market. But buyers were based in the Middle East, who are based in the Middle East, were actually keen to buy. They sometimes even had properties lined up that they wanted to buy, but they couldn't enter the country to view those properties to seal the deal. And that's because of the travel restrictions. So how has that affected your business? Your comment there is applicable to many of our clients here across the Gulf who were either looking to buy a property or, or perhaps couldn't do so at that time as they 
couldn't come and look at it in person. We found that we became more reliant and actually moved these in terms of what was perhaps before now, one or two of our instructions to pretty well all of our instructions that we take on in central London these days. And that is we're making video tours of the properties. And these could be anything from something which is quite quick and cost-effective, perhaps a walkthrough on somebody's mobile phone, all the way up to the top end, which is getting a, a full professional videographer through the house or apartment, whatever it might be, and professionally videoing the properties. Secondly to that, the next tier from that, and we sometimes do this more so, I would say, with when we have a, a project with perhaps 20 or 30 apartments so you can get a good look and feel of it, is we create a computer 3D walkthrough. This is where you send a 3D camera through the property. And then at their own time, a buyer could perhaps scroll through on their computer or phone and look at a 3D image of any one of the rooms. So from this, yes, it is possible to rely on technology, but to get those viewings done. So do some people actually buy without physically viewing the properties in person? Yes, we have closed business uh, of residential properties in London from those that have not actually physically been in and viewed them. They may have had one or two video tours um, and also perhaps even had somebody come back uh, and look at the outside of the building. Finally, from that, if, for example, and this is quite normal as a comment outside of the past 18 months, Alice, it may be the case that they may have had a friend or a family member who lives in London long term and therefore hasn't been affected through travel from the Middle East to London and back again. And it's possible they had them view on their behalf. Now, you mentioned some of the walkthroughs that you did, but I, I've heard of um, some London developers coming up with quite ingenious ways of selling. Um, they've actually, one, one company actually even set up a full-size model of an apartment in uh, in Dubai to bring that viewing experience to the Emirate. I mean, did you see that kind of activity where people really found, had to find different ways to get around the issue? I think those sort of creative ideas are fantastic and it helps to bring the market to perhaps the source of the buyers where you want to, to access them. Um, things like setting up a model home certainly does help with that. It gives a buyer the ability to feel the quality of the apartment. You can actually go and look, you know, if it's a nice marble or granite work surface, Alice, you can go and look and touch and feel it and the quality of the wood and the bathrooms and things. What you can't do from those show apartments, though, is get a feel for the area which many of our clients like to do. They like to step outside of the building and walk around. What shops, uh, restaurants are nearby? Is there going to be any noise going on in the evenings? That sort of thing. So they certainly do help, I would agree. But I think they don't do 100% of the job because they can't give you a look and feel for the actual surrounding streets and area for those buildings. I completely agree. You kind of need to be there in person. You need to feel it. You need to hear it. You need to sense it and you need to smell it. So, yes, you're right. You do need to be there in person. And as a result, do you think that has created a lot of pent up demand in the market? Because people are like, well, I like that property, but I'm not going to commit until I can fly in. I think there has been. We've been having conversations that resonate exactly on the wording that you just mentioned there, Alice, um, for, for quite some time now. Um, what I would say, though, is that more recently, we've had the very good news of the UK swapping the UAE and, and our other Gulf states in onto the amber list, meaning the quarantine is, is much more user-friendly. Um, this has meant that we've actually had our phones almost ringing off the hook and emails and even my WhatsApp as well from clients here saying, we're traveling to London. Henry, what can we go and look at? So with that in mind, have you literally got all your bookings set up for the next few weeks? What kind of level of demand are we talking about here? 
Um, we have got some, well, some buyers that are already in London. And I would say there's a couple of the Middle Eastern countries, Saudi Arabia and Kuwait, for example, Alice, that are already on the Amber list. And I've actually got quite a few Saudi and Kuwaiti clients already in London now viewing properties. I would say if locally here, both British expats and our Emirati clients are looking to travel perhaps later on this month or even next month as well and making plans for that as we speak. So how much will that pent-up demand translate in, into a rise in prices? Is that what you're expecting? Do you think this will have an impact on the market? Well, this is quite an interesting point. We'll come back to that word again. Uh, the prime central London market, Alice, has been cooling off now since the EU referendum. So since May 2016, prices in central London for residential properties have actually been coming downward. Now, in the first quarter this year, so January, February, March 2021, we saw for the first time, Alice, a price increase. Now, it wasn't a huge amount. It was 0.3%, but in the central London markets. And what that's demonstrated for us is particularly fantastic. It's one, that the market is stabilized, and two, prices have started to increase on their own without Middle Eastern or even global buyers coming into the London market. Now, when you start to add in other countries from the Middle East or elsewhere around the world having better access into the UK and London in particular, I would foresee that having a fantastic knock-on effect on prices going ahead. So whilst they have been coming down perhaps for five years, I would perhaps see the next year or two being quite a buoyant time for central London. And what about the next five then? Do you think going forward, it's going to be even more positive? Well, interesting enough, we just revised our forecast for next year. So 2022's prime central London property forecast in terms of growth of values. And we revised it from 6% up to 7% for next year. In total, for the next five years, we're looking at around about 24 or 25% growth in values. So where is that pent-up demand directed? What are buyers looking for? I mean, I keep hearing that it's not apartments. They want big houses with big gardens. What are you noticing? Okay, so yes, we do have had a lot of interest in the larger houses with the gardens so that should there be a lockdown in the future at some point, you do have your own private outside space to enjoy. I would still say, though, that our Middle Eastern clients take the view that actually they perhaps would like a house, but they also do enjoy the convenience of the central London locations, the Chelsea, the Knightsbridge, Mayfair, perhaps, where they can step out of the apartment or even a house and walk to their favourite restaurants or, or otherwise that is just in a short walking distance. What about challenges for the market? I mean, I recently wrote a piece about taxation and the fact that overseas buyers now have a 2% surcharge on residential property that they buy in the UK. So when you factor in all the taxes, there's a lot of them. There's capital gains tax, there's stamp duty, inheritance tax. There's a few more thrown here and there if you're buying through a company structure. I mean, if taxes are going up, for overseas buyers. In actual fact, overseas buyers, I think for the first time, pay more in tax than uh, domestic buyers. Do you think that would actually deter investors from the Middle East? Taxation is certainly a significant consideration of our clients, and we need to ensure they are fully informed of their tax position before making any decisions on their next UK property purchase, Alice. Um, the main one they tend to consider first is the stamp duty land tax, SDLT. And this can vary. Um, typically these days, at the very, very top end, Alice, to give you an extreme case here, it can go all the way up to 17% of some properties on that. So it's a considerable uh amount of funds that would need to be contributed to the government um, should they purchase a property. Um, other taxations, for example, inheritance tax or capital gains tax, certainly their lawyer or tax advisor will pick this up with them and we ensure that they are fully informed of these as well. So at the moment, you don't think it's putting people off? 
No, we're not seeing clients put off. What I would say is, is fair to say, Alice, is that actually if a client was looking at buying a property for four or five years previous to now, let's say five or six years ago when the taxes were a little bit less across the board for residential properties, the client might now take that five-year view and make it more of a 10- or 12-year view just to average out those taxes over a longer period of time. I don't think they're put off yet by the amount of tax, but merely they would take a longer-term horizon on their investment in the UK residential property market. And what other challenges do you see the UK market facing going forwards? I think the main challenge, again, is potential future lockdowns. And we can make this comment for anywhere globally um, on that. And that's something to be considered. Um, Also, as well, for example, if sterling pound rises too much further, again, the attractiveness that we've enjoyed so much from our Middle Eastern clients buying property in the UK will be eroded. Um, So that's something to consider as well. Also, longer term, I don't think this is a short term uh, comment here, but perhaps longer term interest rates could rise. And again, that would make the cost of borrowing a little bit more expensive. We've always talked about the Gulf's love affair with the UK property market and particularly London. Is that still there? And is London still the, the top spot? Now, yes, that will still be there. Um, my forecast is, Alice, that it will remain there. I was even with an Emirati firm recently who was referring to London as the eighth emirate, which was very nice to hear. Um, I think for now that will remain. Uh, the attractiveness of London being the lifestyle offered there, um, education for children perhaps as well, and even uh, a very nice retreat whereby the language is easy and the temperature is fantastic during the seven months. We'll always ensure London probably is going to be number one. Well, I have to say it's been raining a lot recently, Henry, so I'm not so sure it's quite so attractive, but rain is always attractive if you're coming from the desert. But for Gulf-based investors looking to invest in UK property now, perhaps they're booking that flight, they're jetting over. What would your top three tips be? What should they be looking for? Okay, number one is to speak with your advisor early on and to shortlist your properties. You may not have too long on the ground in London, so perhaps try not to, you know, if there's too many options out there, try and shortlist those into ones that you really do want to focus on. And this can be through those 3D walkthroughs. It could be through the video tours. And you can do these ahead of traveling to know exactly what it is you're looking at. Number two, I would actually suggest go and speak with your lawyer or solicitor. You may have one here in the Middle East. Uh, They may have a partner office in London, which could be helpful, or find out a new lawyer uh, to access in London and get set up with them. If you are serious about buying, you will, of course, need a UK-based solicitor. And therefore, speaking with them early on will always assist as well. And finally, I would suggest, Alice, is that if, for example, you are looking for a mortgage, again, in the UK, uh, our finance team in the UK can assist with both conventional and Sharia-compliant mortgages. But I would also suggest is getting your ducks in a row, so to speak, with lining up your mortgage. There's nothing worse than perhaps finding your dream home or, or summer house apartment in London, and then finding actually it takes a further two months or three months to get a mortgage arranged, and therefore you've lost that property. So I would suggest shortlist your properties is number one. Number two, again, speaking with your lawyer in advance. And number three is arranging your debt uh, in advance as well. So when you do find your dream home, you can be in a position to, to make a strong offer on it. Thank you this week to Henry Fawn. If you would like advice on your personal finance issues, you can write to me on pf at thenational.ae. And remember that PF stands for personal finance. Please do subscribe to the podcast in your podcasting app to receive weekly updates and also leave us a review so we know what you think. This episode was produced by Arthur Edison. I've been your host, Alice Haynes.